0: Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network.
1: Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. People have
0: got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of What the Politics. Today, we are joined by a returning guest to talk about some of the policy developments here in eastern part of North Carolina. So I'm going to go ahead and let our guest introduce himself.
0: Sure. Uh, Brian Farkas. I serve Pitt County's ninth District in the North Carolina House of Representatives. That district's basically the eastern half of Pitt County, uh, about half of Greenville, Simpson, Grimesland, Pactolus, and Chicago is kind of the current district.
1: Mm-hmm. And so um, the last time we talked to you was I think right after, like two weeks after, uh, I don't know, when was, like a month it after? Yeah, it was yeah. pretty close to, to after after you won, um, and I, I don't think you had been in, in uh, Raleigh yet, I'm not sure. Um, right. But basically since then, within the past few months, or yeah, over the past year and a half, or half a year, <laughs> Um, How has it been? Are you, do you still have that bright eyed look about you when it comes to politics? (laughs) Bright eyed, bushy (laughs) (laughs) tailed. And serving your community, how has that that been kept up or what have you been going through?
0: Yeah, we're, we're trying and definitely keeping it positive. Um, And and it's the timing of of our conversation today is great because we did just kind of hit that six month mark from where I, I came into office. And um, I'm really enjoying the work. I'll, I'll be upfront about that. I, I love building the relationships and, yeah, trying to keep it positive as much as possible. Um, there's a lot that, you know, you, you don't control in Raleigh, but you can control your attitude and you can control, you know, how you handle and deal with people. And and that's early on is important to set those standards. So, yeah, it's, uh, it has been a, a new challenge, but one that I feel like um, as a freshman, if you will, um, we, we hit the ground running. Um, as you all know, I had some experience working in government before I got elected. I've, I've led some different nonprofit boards. So um, I feel like the first six months was less about understanding the process because I had a pretty good grasp of that. Um, honestly, a lot of it was making sure I understood the personalities that were in the room with me, and and that's where we spent – we spent a good amount of our time and now that we're kind of like I said through that six month phase where yeah we've developed a good rhythm and uh the office is up and running and and like I said I'm I'm really enjoying the work uh, on behalf of Pitt County
2: that's awesome and I know last time we talked a lot about kind of you know the importance of uh bridging that gap reaching across the aisle and and creating those relationships so in these past six months since we've talked to you know Have you seen those relationships across the uh, party lines change at all for, for better, for worse? How is that relationship looking?
0: Well, I'll say for, from my experience coming in as the new guy uh, who didn't have, didn't have maybe some, some previous history with people where things could have gotten a little bit tense. Um, I think coming in as the, as the young legislator who I was very clear about governing in good faith with everybody and, um, that that's paid off um, for the most part. I mean, I've got you know I've got some really close Democratic colleagues. Uh, one guy I actually even went to college with at um, representing Charlotte. Um, but then there's some um, uh, some guys at the Republican side, particularly in eastern North Carolina, that we've been able to to kind of connect about you know about the East, our love for the area, um, agreeing on different issues about what we need. Uh, to kind of improve the region, particularly east of 95. Um, I think I've got some people on the other side of the aisle that you know I could call if, if I needed to. They they'd be there for me, and and I I would hope that they would feel the same way. Um, and so we've, yeah, I, I think it was an uphill challenge. We knew it was going to be like that going in, but we didn't let it. We didn't let it slow us down. Um, we stayed stubborn on it, <laughs> and um, it's it has paid off. And I think the reputation that we've built as someone who's a good faith actor um, and doesn't take things personally and, and just wants to you know do the work has really started to pay off for the area. And I think we're going to start seeing that. We've seen that already in a little bit, some of the bills we've we've been able to get through, and, and we're hoping to see a little bit more of that when we get um, – get to the budget, uh, get that finally passed in the coming weeks.
2: Mm -hmm, Definitely. And and I liked how you said, you know, it's not taking things personally in politics. Um, Do you think that that's just kind of an important rule of thumb when you're going into politics to kind of not take things so personally? Do you think that's important?
0: I think... I do think that's important. Uh, now, that being said, it doesn't mean that, you know, if someone is operating in bad faith or in a bad actor that you just, you know, you look past that and right, you right. you know just keep moving. But at the same time, if, if you know that you're operating from a good place, uh, you know, a moral high ground, if you will, and everyone else is at that same level, then, yeah, you, you can't take it personally. There's an aspect of this that, you know, is about... Uh, people getting elected and people having different positions within the general Assembly and then being able to advance the interests of their district. So um, those things are you know they're real and there's something you kind of have to work into your formula when you're trying to get stuff done and accommodate people to the greatest extent. Um, I think my willingness to compromise has been very has been very good um, and has really helped out, particularly when we're trying to get some movement on things. That otherwise may not have gone somewhere. So, um, no, I think I think I think it's important to maintain the, the good faith actor and, and 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 not take it personally to the greatest extent you can.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to get into uh, your history in General Assembly. Um, I'm, I see that you are a part of several committees, um, appropriations, appropriations, general government, commerce, education, when it comes to community colleges and transportation. Mm-hmm. Are there any reasons why or how did you go about the process of being a part of those committees? And do you have any specific reasons for for why you joined or, or how that came about?
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited about the committee assignments I did get, um, mm-hmm. obviously being on appropriations and then appropriations general government as a subcommittee of appropriations. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows someone to really work in kind of the nitty gritty of government, um, kind of like the administrative side, and let me go through the budget line by line, do some of the things that I was really excited about campaigning on. Um, and bringing my skill sets to bear. So to being in appropriations has been great. It's also allowed me to kind of advocate for funds out in eastern part of the state, make sure we're getting our fair share of investment. Um, commerce, I think, has been a great committee assignment for me. Uh, worked I've worked I work in a small business here in the east.'ve I've been involved in a number of economic development boards. and it's really important that we kind of reframe, what economic development looks like in eastern North Carolina, because it's very different. Uh, Attracting companies to come here is a different journey than it is, say, attracting them to come to Charlotte or even Raleigh. So to be on that has been very great. Um, I'm enjoying the transportation uh, committee because I'm a big believer in, you know, infrastructure as part of economic development. There's a lot that goes on in these committees that really intersect my interests and my skill sets, and I think that's been great. Uh, The community college committee as well, in terms of, you know, the architecture firm I've worked in, we've, we've worked with community colleges in the past, and we know what, you know, we need to do to, you know, develop a a thriving workforce. And that involves the community colleges. So uh, all the committees to me, like I said, they have a bit of a, they're they're integrated. There's a bit of an intersection of interests for me. And uh, I've just tried to keep my head down and be a workhorse in each of them and work with the committee chairs. and, And the assignments themselves tend to come from the speaker's office so Mm -hmm. he or she has the power to give everyone their committee assignments you can put in some requests and we got some of them and some of them you don't get but uh that all kind of comes from the top uh, via the the rules of the house
1: Mm -hmm. let's talk about the the commerce committee that you that you serve on um what are some of the businesses that you're trying to attract here in the east because i know Raleigh in that area is like more technology is that similar over here or what what's going on
0: Well, I think we'd love to have some technology investment out here. I think we could. We've got the capacity for it. I know that with East Carolina and the the medical school and and PCC, we've already got um, an entrenched pharmaceutical manufacturing base that we're trying to expand on. Mm -hmm. So I know that when we're talking about the industrial park, we'd love not only to see expansion from our existing uh, neighbors in in the business park, but we'd love to see what we could do to kind of build on that because it's not necessarily about just bringing the big the big person who's going to set up shop in the industrial park and produce what's needed. But a lot of the time, there's a lot of subactors and smaller businesses that are a part of that bigger manufacturer that might be willing to set up shop here. So we're trying to to attract that way, build on what strengths we have. Honestly, the biggest part is making sure that we have the infrastructure to attract People Make sure we've got the work, the the big sites where they could set up or expand. Make sure we've got interstate designation. Uh, Right now we have a future designation, but that's really important uh, when you're trying to, when a, a company is looking to locate somewhere. Oftentimes the first thing on their checklist is whether or not your community has access to an interstate. So those are the things we're working on. And of course, you know, on the Commerce Committee, I also want to make sure we're creating a, a climate that's healthy for small businesses, because those are the true backbones of Pitt County. I work in a small business myself, and we need to, you know, I, I think we need to make sure we're investing heavily in, in the small business, because oftentimes those are the ones that are ready to take the next step and expand. And uh, we want to be ready that, you know, we want them to stay here and and feel like they've got all the resources they need to be successful. So Mm -hmm. it's small business. It's big business. We we want it all out here in the east because it's such a special place. And one thing that we are also working on is rethinking how we brand eastern North Carolina to attract some of the big businesses. You know, Pitt County has ECU. It's got the community college. It's got the hospital system. But there's some other things that some of our neighboring counties have um, that – that we think we should be able to lean on and and brag about as well. And at the same time, we want some of those counties to be able to brag about ECU and our hospital system. So for example, Carteret County has access to a port, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to talk about that. And, and we're trying to start getting all these economic development actors in the different counties to get on the same unified page so that we're branding a region as opposed to one community. Um, We really think the, the the positive ramifications of that unified approach goes a whole lot further and will benefit us all Mm
1: -hmm. there also seems if if you're talking about kind of like the east coast and the um like the the coastline and all that stuff there seems to be like a push towards um uh renewable energy
0: and and Mm -hmm. some stuff
1: going on out there um do you find that there's tensions going on between small businesses big businesses and anything having to do with farming
0: Um, I haven't felt too much of a tension in the legislature. Uh, I feel like we do have an incredible opportunity to invest in the, the green economy in eastern North Carolina. And I think if we do it right, we can actually make farmers part of that prosperity. You know, working in, in eastern North Carolina, a lot of our projects take me up to the northeast area, up into Elizabeth City, and I've been able to drive those roads back and forth. And there's some there's some need. There's a, mm. a high level of poverty, but you see the potential because up in uh, up in Pasquotank County, their largest property taxpayer is the Amazon wind farm, mm. and they are generating clean energy uh, up in the northeast. And I think we we, we should lean in more on that. I know the governor's clean energy plan has been put out there as a pathway to get us to a certain level of of clean energy production by a certain year. Um, But I don't think there's any reason why we can't embrace this in a positive way and work in good faith, like I mentioned before, and and bring in the agriculture industry in combination with our energy industry um, and really lift people up and and, and really get communities invested. I, I, I haven't seen the tension, but I do see the potential.
2: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, uh, the governor pushing the clean energy bill. So are there any other bills or, or um, legislation that really stands out to you that's that's being talked about right now in the General Assembly?
0: Well, right now, the General Assembly has really started to focus its efforts on the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, we, we kind of got through the first few months where we pushed some bills through the House. I got one or two through. Uh, we've got some bills through the sen- from the Senate. We've been evaluating those. Um, we've dealt with, because of COVID, we had a lot of federal funds come in that we had to direct. Um, one thing we did was the, the GREAT, it's called the GREAT, the GREAT Program Broadband Empowerment, Air um, Expansion Act. Um, that was something that, you know, the GREAT program was already a, something that existed in the state of North Carolina to try to expand high-speed internet into rural areas. Um, it's a good first step, but we have a lot of work to do. Uh, We were able to spend a a little bit of time during this session taking about what I think was about $750 million and putting it into that program and really trying to reach unserved areas and rural communities in eastern North Carolina and across the state. So um, that was something that had some real bipartisan um, energy behind it and passed, I believe, near unanimously. So we're, we're trying to push those things through. But after we got through that, it's really all – it's been about the budget. The governor has put forth um, a proposal. The Senate recently just put forth their proposal, and we are expecting my chamber the House to put forth a proposal in the coming weeks. Once we have all three of those, then the real negotiations start. Um, but I'm excited about the potential of it. Um, we do have a a lot of revenue that has come in we have a lot of federal support we have an opportunity to make some generational investments um in our state that i think could help us on the education front infrastructure front a, a lot of the issues that we we've, we've already discussed here today and i really don't think we should we should blow this opportunity um to to really move forward on that
1: mm-hmm. and so when it comes to um from the past six months and from, from what you've been seeing from the community, what do you, what, what do people seem the most concerned about from this area?
0: For me, it's been, uh, from what I've seen, and we've tried to really engage. We host a quarterly town hall series Mm -hmm. where uh, we've been doing a lot of virtual town halls with people. Um, We may try to expand that over the next few weeks. I do what's called district days, and we set up shops somewhere in the district, and I just make myself available. It might be at a brewery or a coffee shop or a nearby park. People could come by and, and talk to me. I would say the issues that I've heard the most are about, uh, that I've heard the most about is is broadband or high speed internet access. We've still got some issues. I don't think we've got the competition we need out here, and the quality of service that that everyone deserves. We've got to start thinking about high speed internet as a as a utility and not just something that the the wealthy and the well connected can afford. Um, it's just so tied to healthcare and business and education. Um, speaking of education, that's the other big issue I'm hearing a whole lot about. We have got to make sure that our schools are adequately funded. We have some issues. Uh, there's a, a legal case called the Leandro case, which was um, ruled on a few uh, years ago, that basically stated that North Carolina is not meeting its constitutional requirement to fund public education and make sure everyone has access to um, a fair and uh, equitable public public schooling. So, we're, um, you know, that's going to be hopefully addressed in our budget. And then the other thing I really hear about is just really leaning in on our healthcare community. People want to see Medicaid expanded. They'd like to see a, uh, a new facility for the Brody School of Medicine over at East Carolina. That'd be a game-changing, transformational uh, investment in our region. That building has done its duty, but uh, we, if we could really get the investment we needed there, we could grow the class size and really try to recruit the next generation of physicians to practice here in North Carolina. Brody graduates more doctors that stay in North Carolina than any of the other med schools in our state. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we need to lean in on that fact and and try to do what we can to make sure uh, we keep them here. Mm-hmm.
1: Now you mentioned these town halls that you do in these district days. and when it comes to kind of cultivating those relationships that you made during your campaign with the community and then right now, as you're as you're serving, um, uh, the community and and, uh, in elected office, excuse me. Um, is there anything that you think has been a challenge in trying to communicate what you're trying to do at the general assembly for this area?
0: Well, I think we, you know, when I got elected, I really committed to this idea of raising the bar. You know, I grew up in Pitt County. We've had some, we've had some good elected officials. We've had some not so good elected officials Mm -hmm. and, um, it was really important for me to raise the bar overall in terms of what people should expect from an elected representative. That's why the town hall concept is still a relatively uh, new idea that a lot of people haven't seen. And frankly, if we hadn't had COVID, we may not have – we may not have tried the, the virtual component. We may have tried to stick with in-person town halls. Um, but frankly, I think that the virtual has allowed more people to, to loop in and have a conversation with an elected official. Um, without putting the undue pressure of having to get somewhere or or travel to someplace that they may not be near. Um, I think those have have been very helpful, and we're going to try to, like I said earlier, try to find some innovative ways to to get people more involved. Um, The the district days has been really fantastic. Usually those are a little bit of a smaller crowd, but um, I really put a a high priority on constituent services because it's not only about someone being able to find me and talk, but if someone's having an issue with the state government, say, unemployment insurance issues or something, they can actually come to us, and we can, with that day of, start processing the request and, and figure out what's going on. So um, I've, I really think it's been helpful. I think it has fulfilled a campaign promise, and like I said, I hope it, I hope it raises the bar and the expectations for other elected officials that come after me.
2: Definitely. And moving forward, you know, is there anything up and coming uh, going on in Raleigh or in the house in the next couple months that you're personally excited about or anything that you think, you know, the community should kind of be looking out for?
0: Yeah, well I think I think I mean, we've got to, like I said we've got to keep an eye on the budget I think there's a lot of potential there about what we could do to really improve our community um, so we will see I am I'm hoping that all the the leadership in both chambers and the governor will really operate in good faith and and come together around a, a budget we can we can all believe in. Um, I do not believe anybody wants the budget fights that we have seen in the past and and like we said earlier, um, when we were talking about kind of my style, I think people are just tired and they want, they want consensus. And I, I, so I'm, the big thing is the budget because of some of the ramifications of what it means for, for education investment, broadband, and you know, Brody School of Medicine out here, uh, possible investments. Um, other things I'm really excited about, well, when I was in the legislature, I was able to file what was called the Broadband Empowerment Act. Uh, That's a piece of legislation that I think I went through about eight drafts with and finally got it the way I wanted. Basically, it gives the North Carolina Department of Transportation the authority to dig uh, empty telecommunications conduit in the roads and do it all at once as opposed to having to have a broadband provider come in and dig up the roads after the fact, which is very expensive. Mm -hmm. The idea was that we can run that. Empty uh, conduit. We can then lease it out to broadband providers, who would then be able to run it into more rural areas that they otherwise may not have been able to afford to do. We are working really hard on that issue, um, and I got over half of half of the house actually signed on as either primary or co-sponsors of that bill. Um, I'm also tracking um, a sanitary sewer bill, which isn't the sexiest topic in the world, <laughs> but but you know what? I I was really concerned when I learned um, about What currently, what the current requirements are when Mm -hmm. there's what's called a sanitary sewer overflow or something's basically in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, The current requirements only mandate that you've got to put a notice in the paper. And in rural communities where the papers aren't necessarily running uh, 24 hours, you know, one every day. Um, I was worried that those notifications weren't getting to the populations, uh, the most vulnerable population. So uh, we were able to craft a bipartisan bill and actually get it through the House. I only had three votes against me. I had 117 in favor, um, and it might have been a few less than 117 because I think I think we had some people who weren't in attendance that day. But either way, it was a big win. And, uh yeah, we were able to kind of hopefully modernize those public notice requirements so that people you know, know what's in their water before they drink or they go swimming. Um, environmental issues are really important to me, and I'd like to kind of be a champion for conservation and and uh, sustainability out in the eastern part of the state so that's something we're proud of uh, we got a few other bills through there's a lot of, on a lot of different fronts I'm trying to work on I could talk all day about it with you uh, but I have found that it's usually best if I let you guys pick the topics so otherwise <laughs> I'll just keep going and going
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, j- I'm just gonna make a point of uh, observation just from my reporting and all that stuff and from what I've seen from out in the communities that there are a you know, pig farms or whatever that have some sanitary issues. So I can understand why the, the, um, sanitation overflow bill might, get a lot of attention, um, even mm-hmm. if it's not, you know, like the most attractive topic to talk about. Um, and then, of course, I saw um, there's, I talked to the, the superintendent of um, Hyde County, who's telling me about several pilot programs, you know, working with Starlink to provide um, internet access to kids in Ocracoke Island. And then over mm-hmm. on the western part um, where the where it's more mountainous, a few pilot programs for providing internet to, to, some, to some of those people. Um, mm-hmm. so, th- I mean, that is all very interesting, very important topics to, to keep at the top of your mind. I have one more question. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. Emily has one more question. Um, Great. so, um, so my last question for you is what is, um, one bill that you're, you're drafting right now, or that's still kind of in the works that you see, um, being proposed in the next year.
0: So one other bill, cause I, I kind of hit you with some of my all-stars already, but one other bill that I'm really <laughs> excited about that I think. We'll, um, we'll, we'll hopefully see it through the budget. Um, I filed it as a separate bill, and I'm hoping that the Appropriations Committee will incorporate it, um, is this idea of uh, piloting in three cities in North Carolina, Greenville, Charlotte, and Greensboro, what is called support team assisted response uh, units. And basically, the, the short the acronym is STAR, so the STAR teams. Uh, basically that they are they are embedded in police departments. They are, picture of a, a mobile unit that has a paramedic, a social services worker, uh, maybe a police officer just for safety. And instead of dispatching traditional uniformed police officers to people who are low-level incidents, say someone's having a mental health crisis or some sort of trespassing, um, this unit would actually deploy. Uh, we've seen some really impressive numbers out of Denver, Colorado, where they had a program like this. Um, the re-, re out of 748 um, incidents that that van dispatched to, zero resulted in arrests. Mm-hmm. which is just an amazing statistic. And the idea of this legislation is to get people the support that they need who are, say, someone's having a mental health crisis. Um, that way they, they have the people on the ground who are trained to assess the situation and, and connect people with the resources, and at the same time free up our officers to do what they are supposed to be doing, which is fighting crime. So I was excited. Uh, this program was brought to my attention actually by the Greenville um uh, police chief i was inspired by it when i saw the numbers and uh, i'm hoping that we're going to see some movement on this in terms of funding a pilot program and like i said in three cities um, kind of a mid-sized city a smaller city and and charlotte of course is the biggest city and really try to and just kind of see what data we can capture and and give the police departments the resources they need Uh, if we walk away from this uh, ideally other municipalities would be able to maybe have other conversations based on data about what's the best way to invest their funds and, and and give the police departments what they need to be successful. Interesting. So that's a that's a bill I'm really excited about. Stay tuned, and we'll uh, we're going to keep we're going to keep working the hallways of the legislature to make that happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, my question is kind of already answered. So uh, that was all we have for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, no,
0: it's, too oh, I talk too much. Wait, I have
1: a question. I have a question.
2: I have a question. Okay. Well, I'll take, I'll, this is a
1: fun one. <laughs> okay. 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 Since you're from the area. Ooh, and this, this mm-hmm. might put you in a lot of heat. Okay. Since oh, you're boy. from the area. Okay. Now that things are opening back up, now that there's a lot of, you know, fun things for, for Emily and I to do, if we yes. wanted to get lunch or dinner or something like that. What what is a good place for for us to check out, especially since you know I haven't really explored Eastern North Carolina in the past year, yeah. but it's summertime. <laughs> what, what's a good restaurant or brewery or something like that to check out?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, the good news is uh, we we've really experienced kind of this uh, renaissance when it comes to the you know good food and and drink here in the area, and we have more and more people coming east to explore that, which is mm. which is awesome. I think our Convention and Visitors Bureau too um has come up with some innovative ways to give people uh the most bang for their buck if you ever stop by there they've got something called the passport and -hmm. basically it's a uh it's like a brewery and beer uh, brewery and barbecue tour of the entire county, so you can hit all the greats, like Bee's and, and Skylight Inn and, and Parker's, you can hit them all. Um, I would do it over the course of more than one day, otherwise you will feel terrible. <laughs> the <end>. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I but there's a lot there, and I would recommend going to them because that way you've kind of got the parade route through Pitt County, and you'll get a really cool experience out of it, getting oh, to know all yeah. the different people and and the history behind what drives all these different restaurants. And I would, I would definitely recommend recommend that. And then, um, you know, the other thing I, I like, I like going to starlight too. And Cameron and I have mm, a little downtime mm-hmm. starlight downtown is always just a nice location with great people. And, oh, um, yeah, just let you kind of, kind of take a breather after a, after a long day or a long week.
2: <laughs> right. And yeah, that's a great idea. Cause I've been really, I mean, I've been in, in Eastern North Carolina for about five, six years now, and I've since day 1 been trying to get myself over to bee's barbecue but you know they just are so popular you got to get there at like 6am and wait in line i'm like i can't you got to go early I yeah, know. you got to go
0: early so uh, but it's worth it they're all and everyone's just just the stories about from all these places and where they come from it's just it's really it's really amazing and it's yeah. it's fun to be able to go to raleigh and brag about that and, and represent right. that and uh yeah try to give them a little slice of our culture out here whenever we can
2: Definitely. Well, we got some great ideas moving forward now for the rest of our summer to uh, enjoy some stuff on the weekends.
0: Good. Good. Sounds great. We'll probably see you out there.
2: Oh yeah. We might see, you know, Hey, see it. Starlight. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brian, for taking this time to talk with us. We always appreciate it.
0: Well, I appreciate y'all. And as always, uh, don't hesitate to get in touch if we can provide any support in Raleigh or in Greenville. This is the hometown, so I, I'm loving the job, and, and I want to I work hard for everybody. So thank you all so much for helping get the word about what we're doing.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much. much. Have a great rest of your day. Bye
0: y'all.
2: Thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. We had a great talk with Brian Farkas. Again, he was a returning guest and we were really just wanting to catch up about what's going on in the legislation here in North Carolina. What bills are on the forefront of people's minds? What concerns Eastern North Carolinians have and that they're bringing to our representatives? So thank you so much for listening to this conversation and we'll see you next week.